that one. Welcome back to week three. We are in a series called The Christmas Gifts. And we're looking at the gifts that Jesus brings. When Jesus came to the earth, he brought gifts with him. And, uh, and, and we talked in the first week about hope. Pastor Bubba shared about the hope that we have in Jesus. Looked at the Old Testament through the story of Ruth and Naomi and the hope that we found in the Old Testament. Uh, there was not much hope, but yet there was great hope for this anticipated Savior that would come one day, and his name was Jesus. And so we talked about hope. Week two was last week, and we talked about peace, that Jesus is our peace. Come on, how many were hopefully encouraged by those two messages about hope and about peace, and how we can have peace in the midst of uh, storms? We looked at the story of Jesus asleep in the boat, and uh, what it means to have Uh, peace with Jesus. And then today we're talking about joy. So look at somebody next to you and go, we're going to talk about joy. So you got to have a smile on your face. So I'm just going to, I'm going to preach like this the whole time. Um, No, I'm not, because we're going to find out what joy really is, and it's not always a smile. But how many actually, how many, how many people love the Christmas season? You, you love the Christmas season. You like it when it's rolling around. You love it. Okay. The tinsels and the lights and the trees and the family time and the generosity of giving gifts and the bonfires and the, and the s'mores and all that good stuff that you get to do during the Christmas time and Christmas carols. How many like Christmas carols? Raise your hand. How many of you hate Christmas carols? You hated the first half of this worship set? You just, let's be honest. You didn't. You didn't like it. Okay. <clears throat> Don't you raise your hand. Um, I hope you didn't. But there's those of us who just love it. I actually enjoy it. I really do. I, I enjoy the Christmas season. It's been, it's a great time for our family. I love seeing our family. It's a time when we come together and stuff. But uh, that's good news for, for some people. But we also talked a little bit about this last week, but I'll talk a little bit about this week, is that a lot of times when Christmas comes around, it's a dreaded time. It's, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. For many people, it's the most awful time of the year. Uh, there's a lot of family gatherings where you, you know, guaranteed, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be drama, and there's going to be a side of, of turkey. That's about it. But there's guaranteed, there's going to be something that's going to go down. Grandma's going to say something because she can't keep a lid on it. Anybody got a grandma like that? Or I'm not saying that's mine because my grandma actually listens to my message. So that's not you. Um, but we know there's divorce that happens, and so there's separation. How many of you know if, you, if you've been in a divorced family, the separation of Christmas, like who gets Christmas, and they get this one, and they don't get enough time, and I want more time of this, and there's pain that comes with that, and the kids got to get thrown all over the place, and it just, just can get a little messy. Some of you will have loved ones who maybe died this year, and so you're going to have a seat that is open at your table, um, and, and the Christmas time is probably going to bring a lot of memories flooding back your way that is, is going to hurt, and there's going to be pain there, and, and we understand that. And there's others of you that maybe enjoy the Christmas season, but you're just mad, and you're just mad at the commercialism of Christmas, and how commercialized Christmas has, has gotten where we buy things we don't need with money we don't have, and, uh, and, and things can just get very commercialized, and, and so sometimes Christmas for some people gets them really upset and frustrated, but... We're talking about joy, and today the title of my message is called Joy to Your World. Joy to Your World. 
based off of the song, Joy to the World. And we're going to read real quick in Luke chapter 2. And we'll all read this together. We'll do some crowd participation. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. We'll throw it up on the screen. You got it in your notes. Everybody's got the same version. So, so, so we should all sound awesome. Um, so read this with me. It says this. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. joy. That will be for all people. That that sounded like second grade, okay? It's terrible. Same words, same, just, okay, here we go. Let's try it again. Luke Luke 2.10. We're going to do it just like school. Luke 2.10. And the angel said, Great job, great job. Most of us can read. Um, This is the message of Christmas, that God came to bring joy to a broken world. That's good news. That's good news. And today we're talking about that good news and and the joy that we have in that and the world that we live in. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into what joy really is. So Father, we love you. God, I thank you for each person that's here. It's not by accident. You've drawn them here. From those who this is their home to those who are walking in for the first time, I pray they would, it would feel like home. Because, God, we gather today with one purpose, and that is to meet with you. And so, God, I pray as we open up your word that it would do what it does best, that it would search our hearts. God, that it would encourage, strengthen, convict, train us, God, that that we would today have a new perspective when it comes to joy. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. I love to watch people. I'm a people watcher. I I, I love going to um, anywhere that I go and have to sit down in a waiting room or just sitting. I I love watching people. Anybody like, like that? Anybody love just watching people? Like, you know, we were at the hospital with Joel a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and you don't do anything at the hospital. I mean, you're bored. Um, and so I, I, I love to just open the curtains up and just watch people, just watch things, what's going on. And it probably makes other people feel really uncomfortable, um, but I don't care. And so <laughs> I don't. Um, at Walmart, I like to watch people. Um, not, not like in a creepy way. Okay, let me just go ahead and just, <laughs> let me just lay that out. Because I saw some people were like, I'm a bit concerned about this guy. <laughs> He's been watching me. During worship, I watch you. You don't even know it. Uh, I do. Sometimes I watch you a little longer. Just to, and some of you are like. Um, and so uh, at the mall, that's the best place to watch people. And, you know, when you go to all these places, you, you see people, and, and a lot of times, you know, if you, if you learn anything about, like, physical expression, you can, you know, you learn how to read people sometimes. You know, you, you read if they're doing well or if they're not. And body language says a lot. Right, husbands? That was your chance. Okay. Uh, maybe it wasn't your chance. Maybe you were wise. Um, and so body language can say a lot of things, you know. People sulking and stuff. And, and if you go to places, you know, you go to hospitals, you see some people that for the most part are pretty miserable. You know, most of them are getting bad news or are there. You know, most hospital visits are, un, 
You know, you're not planning for them, and so you're there, and it's just, it's just miserable, and people are miserable. You know, you go to the mall, and you just watch people, and most people are, like, in a rush. Um, you know, they're always trying to hurry up and get things, and it's just, just people hustling and bustling all around. Um, we went, we've gone, actually, uh, twice this year to Disney World. Now, if you know anything about Disney World, Disney World is supposedly the happiest place on earth. And so you watch people walking into Disney World and smiles and ears and they all happy. You watch people leave Disney World. <laughs> they, they know smi- there's not a smile anywhere. It's, it's people mad and frustrated and get over here and dragging their kids. And the kids are all, ah, I wanted the balloon. And uh, all that stuff is going down. And, and even at the happiest place on earth, you, you still have some people that are real miserable because um, I want to go pay a fortune and wait in three-hour lines. That sounds like fun. Um, when you come to church and you people watch, what do you see? What do you see? My prayer is that when people would come to this church, that they would see a room full of people overflowing with hope, peace, and joy. That's what I would hope to see. But also, when you come to church, you also come with a place where people are broken. And just because you're broken and hurting doesn't mean you can't have joy, though. See, we, we think that joy is smiling and pop-palm cheerleading and all that kind of stuff. That's what we think a lot of times when we think of joy, like hip-hip-hooray. Um, but joy is so much deeper than that. Um, I'll give you even a picture. You know, we've been doing something in our home. We've been doing an Advent devotional with our boys from December 1st. We'll go all the way up to Christmas. And every day we've been doing these devotionals every, every night with our boys. And, and can I let you in on a sneak peek into our devotionals? If we can just show, this is joy at our house right here. If you can see, can you see Joel's face? That's a boy full of joy that we're reading the Bible together. Um, that is, and then I got a son who's laying like he's dead. And then another son that's in the picture that's probably doing something else. And Lindsay trying to read the devotional to our boys. We're going to talk about Jesus today, boys. Um, but this is, this is real life. Is this, is this real life for you or is this just a, okay, never mind. You know what? Y'all can preach to me. Um, this is real life. This is what, you can definitely take that off. Um, that's, that's just real life. I'm sure if we were to go in and take a quick snapshot in your home, there would just be, be things of drama and stuff that's going on. And, and that's even trying to just love Jesus and do things, but just stuff robs our joy and it's just stuff that we go through. And when we talk about joy, we got to look at it in a much deeper context than just being happy and just having a smile on our face. Um, there's so much more to that. So I want to dive in right now because I just got so much I want to share, uh, but I, I want to be very on point today with this. So if you're taking notes, let's, let's write a couple things down. Let's talk about joy to my world. Now, we, we know there's joy to the world. We sing that song all the time, but what does it look like to have joy in my world? Okay, what does it look like to have joy in my heart, in my life? Let's make this real personal today, okay? So here we go. Joy to my world. Number one is this, my joy. These are going to be, let's, let's do this. These are going to be statements that we make, okay? Statements that we're going to declare. You're going to take these notes home this week, and these are going to be statements and declarations that you're going to have to say in your home, at your workplace, at your school. These are going to be things that you're going to have to declare. I promise you this. 
because it's not going to go so well for some of you this week, and you're going to have to make these declarations. So let's just go ahead and make this first declaration today, and this, this. And if you don't say it, you will be sad for 20 years, okay? <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. My joy is... My joy is not found, it is received. Most of us are searching for joy. We're searching for joy out there somewhere, and some people feel like they've got to work harder to get joy. I can buy joy. Some people think that if they're, if they're lucky, if they win the lottery, then that's a joyful experience, and, and you just get lucky with joy. Some people think that I got, I've got to work for it. You know, I've got to work to be joyful, and some people think that you've got to, you can buy certain things and you can get joy. But here's the real thing that we've got to come. You don't go find joy, you receive joy. You don't go find it. You're not going to find it. You receive it. It's given to you, you don't have to go looking for it. So many people in life are trying to go look for joy in all the things that are around them. And when you look so hard and you work so hard to find that the, the thing that you miss is that God's already given it to you. Remember, we're talking about Christmas gifts. When Jesus came as a baby, there's gifts that he gave us. Hope is one of them. Peace is one of them. And guess what the other one is? Joy. Joy. He gives us joy. And when you recognize that Jesus was sent into this world, not just for the world, but sent into your world, then all of a sudden this good news becomes great joy for you and I. This is good news that Jesus came. Listen, the good news is that Jesus came for broken people. That's good news. You know what that should do in you? Give you great joy. How many of you are broken people? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to the church of hypocrites. We say one thing and we do other things. It's just what happens. Don't mean to be, don't try to be, but we're broken and we got sinful natures. And if you came in here messed up and jacked up, welcome, welcome home. Welcome home. You blew it on your kids this week. Welcome home. Blew it on your wife or at, at work or something happened. Welcome home. There's grace here, but the grace is not only here to help you. The grace is the, there's grace here to, to forgive you and to give you a new start, new joy that we find in him. A joy is something that only God can give you. Let me show you this. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. You can look at it in your notes. But if you back up in the beginning of Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 is really a chapter wrestling between two kind of big contrasts. You got the works of the flesh and you got the fruits of the spirit. You got these two kind of things that are diametric to each other. You got the works of the flesh and you got the, the, the fruits of the spirit. And they're, they're different in many ways. The works of the flesh are really something that you can do. If you want to work for something, this is what you can work for. Works of the flesh. Like drunk, drunkenness and selfishness and lewdness and licentious living. You can do that. Here's what. It doesn't even take much for you to do those things. You can do them just like me really well. I can think about myself really good. Really good. Nobody thinks about me as much as me. You didn't have to amen on that one. Um, <laughs> nobody. The, you know why? Because that's works of the flesh. We, we don't even really have to work for it, to be honest with you. It's just a byproduct of our heart that doesn't know Jesus. We, we begin to do these things in our lives. I can get drunk. I can be selfish. These things are easy for us to do. 
But when it comes to joy, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Look what it says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Joy. Joy. Peace. Hey, we talked about that one last week. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And there's others if you keep going down. But I wanted to start off with the, the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, patience. Now, here's the deal. So the difference is you got works of the flesh and you got fruit to the spirit. Now, here's the thing about fruit to the spirit. So fruits are not something that you create. Fruit is not something that you make. Fruit is not something that you muster. Fruit is something that's simply a byproduct of just being connected to the vine. When you're connected, fruit bears out of your life. Now, here's the thing that I, that I heard a while back, and I'll just kind of give this to you. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are, and then list them out. Because here's what we do as Christians. We look at this fruits of the Spirit, and we break them down one by one. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really not too loving. I could probably should work on that one. Okay, I'm not too joyful, but I'm patient. And I, and I feel like I, I am, I'm good, and I feel like I'm kind at times. Like, we break it down like it's a checklist. Love, okay, I can work on that one. Enjoy, okay. But it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are, and then list them out one by one. It says the fruit. Notice it's not an S. It's not fruits. It's fruit of the Spirit is, which means this. You can't have joy with also not having love, peace, patience, goodness. Are you with me? It's totally different than you probably have ever heard preached. Because most of us work on them individually, but God says when you get Jesus, you get all of them. You get love and joy and peace and patience and goodness because it's the fruit of the Spirit is. So if you want that, let's go to John chapter 15 and we'll see how we actually get love, joy, Peace, patience. How many need more patience? Come on, let's be honest in here. How many need more patience, okay? Goodness, faithfulness, self-control, okay? How many need more of those things? Here's how you get those things. You ready? Here's how we get those. Here's how we get joy in our life. Remember, joy is not found. It's received. John 15, verse 5. This is Jesus. He says, I am the what? I am the vine. You are the branches. And whoever abides... Underline that or circle that. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, look at this, apart from me, works of the flesh, you go try to work it, do it your own, what do you produce? Nothing. So the message today is to not go try to be joyful because you will fail. You know why? Because you've already been failing. That's why you don't have joy in your life. That's, that's why, because we can't manufacture joy. Now, we can, we can have fake joy and temporary joy, that seems like it, but really it actually is just fleeting happiness. That's actually all that it is. But joy is not something that we go find. It's something that receives, because here's the deal. When we are connected to the vine, who's the vine? Jesus. Okay, if you haven't been in church, I'm going to kind of help you through this. Jesus is the vine, and we are connected to Jesus, and when Jesus is connected to us, we bear fruit. Have you ever bypassed a tree that's going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. no, no, you haven't, have you? Why? Because trees don't have to do that. 
Just the branch being connected to the trunk, it gets its nutrients and it, be- and it begins to bear fruit. And for some of you, this is going to be a real burden reliever. Stop working for this. It's already there. You already got it. Just connect to Jesus. You'll get more of it. Yes. And so you don't have to find it. It's received. Fruit only grows when you're connected to the vine. Now watch verse 11. So verse, verse 5, 1 through 10, he's talking all about this, you know, he's going to prune you and he wants you to have more fruit and all this stuff. Now watch, watch what verse 11 says. These things I have spoken to you that, what does it say? That my what? Joy. That my joy may be what? In you. We'll get to that in a minute. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how much joy does God want you to have? Joy. Full joy. Never running on E. Always topped off. Always topped off. How many people, when you pump your gas, you have to get it on the dot? Like you have to get like $37. Like if it goes over one, you're going to 50. Or you're going, you're... I am OCD when it comes to that. I cannot leave. I don't care if it's spilling over. I'm like, I'm going to 39. Just, just to do it. I don't know why I said that, but that's because, okay, I know why. Because God wants joy to be overflowing in you. So he doesn't stop at 78 cents. He goes all the way. Just keep on filling him up. I think he's OCD like me. That's why I got, I got it from Jesus. <laughs> Psalm 1611. Look at this. I love this. David says this. He says, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence. Look at it. There it is again. There is what? There's fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. Come on, that is a great verse. Man, you need to wake up in the morning and just say that. God, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. God, I just want to be in your presence today. You're lacking joy? It's probably because you're lacking his presence. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. The joy in your life is the greatest indicator of your walk with God. No joy? I can tell you where your walk with God is. I'll tell you. Joy doesn't always mean good, doesn't always mean easy, doesn't always mean comfortable, but rather it means being connected to the source of all joy. His name is Jesus. So we've got to lay this groundwork first. Jesus is my joy. Can you say that with me? Jesus is my joy. It's something that's not found, it's received. Because, listen, you didn't go find Jesus. He found you. The story of Jesus coming to, to, to Bethlehem is the fact that we didn't have to work ourselves to get to God. God came to us. That's the good news of the Christmas story. God didn't wait for broken, jacked up people to get their act together. He came to us when we were still broken and jacked up. That's the good news. And so you don't have to go find joy. You just receive it when you receive Jesus. All right, let's keep going. Number two. Let's make this statement together. We're going to read this together. <clears throat> Ready? Let's go. My joy is not determined by what is happening to me, but rather what God is doing in me and, and through me. My joy is not determined by what is happening to me, but rather what God is doing in me and through me. Happiness is determined by what is happening so many people, Christians included, have subscribed to the fact that God wants you to be happy. He doesn't. 
He wants you to be full of joy. There's a total difference there. It's a total difference. God is not after your happiness. He's after your joy because he wants to be your joy. If we, were to de- if we were to define joy, here's joy, just a real simple definition of joy. And joy is a delight deep down. Joy is a delight deep down. Okay, so I grew up in a Christian home. So, of course, I grew up in, with all of the great 80s Christian music, great 90s Christian music. Um, and I grew up with all of the Sunday school songs. And one of them, which as soon as I sing it, you will begin to sing along if you've been raised in churches. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in, down in my heart, down in. Okay, we can stop, please. But it's there. You know what the truth is, though? I'm learning more and more. Man, all these songs, man, they used to frustrate me. <laughs> like, these are so corny. <laughs> but you know what I'm learning more, though? There was so much truth in these songs. If I would have, you know, Jesus loves me. I mean, that was one that has been getting us through the whole stuff with Joel. And, you know, and we're weak, he's strong. I mean, just some of these, like, songs that we sing to our little kids. Man, they're so packed with truth. And this one is just the same. I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Now, here's the thing. In my job? No. In my heart. I've got joy in my wife? No. In my heart. I've got joy in that cute little boy? No. In your heart. I've got joy with my kids? No. In your heart. Here's the difference. Now let me, let me walk you through how this works. We can, re- we can learn to receive joy from these things. We can learn to receive joy from work, from our marriage, from our kids. We can learn to receive joy from them, but our joy is not attached to them. Okay, so here's the difference, because here's how it works. If your joy is attached to them versus you just learn how to get joy from them, then when that's not there anymore, you have no more joy. That's why women that are going through this cascade of a different guy and a different guy and a different guy and a different guy. Why? Because your joy is attached to the man and he's never been designed to carry that weight. And so you can't attach it to your husband. He's not that good. That was a chance for all the men to definitely say amen. Or the wives. I mean, either one. Okay? Guys, the same way with you. Your wife, is, she's not, she doesn't bring you ultimate joy. Jesus does. And it's inside of you. It's not attached to somebody. Now, does that mean we can't get joy from people? No. I, I have such a fun time and get so much joy from my boys and from my wife and from the men of God that are around me. Man, we have so much fun and there's so much joy that I get from that. Even pastoring y'all, there's so much joy from doing those things. But my joy is not attached to you. Meaning if, if somehow I was to leave and things were to happen, my joy is not attached to this. Are you with me? And some of you need to cut the strings because you've been attached. Your joy has been attached to things or to people. And so you have been literally just riding around based off of whatever you're attached to. Okay? 
I hope this is helping somebody. And if you look at that person or that thing to be your source of joy, what, what's going to happen when they're gone? You know, we, we've now with the stuff that we've walked through with Joel, we have connected with so many people that have lost children. I mean, with, with the diagnosis that Joel has with pH, I mean, the, the doctors say five years. That's the, usually the extent of what a child lives with pH. So when you're connected with a lot of families that have pH, their kids have pH, we're walking with a lot of people who their children are dying because of this disease. And yet we've connected with a number of people who um, just love Jesus and their children have pH. And some of them have died. And just watching them... Of course, grieve, because nobody wants to lose a child. But yet seeing the joy of the Lord be their strength in the midst of that. You know, Lindsay and I were, were talking because we had Pastor Bubba and Pastor Zach and some of the guys from the church come up to St. Louis with us. And we were talking about this. People that don't have Jesus and their child is going through like what our child has gone through or worse. How do you cope? Like, how do you cope without Jesus? Like, I don't even know how you do it. Like, the only thing that has ever been the sustaining grace of God for us is the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, and the hope of the Lord, that at the end, he redeems all of this. And every tear that we ever cry, he, he makes everything new at the end. It's not the fact that we don't die. It's the fact that at the end, that we really never die, and he raises us back up, and we all live with him. That's the hope that we have. So guess what? We can walk through anything because we have the greater hope that death can't even take it. That's why it says, death, where is your sting? There's no sting anymore. Because even if somebody in my family dies, however much that breaks my heart and hurts, and there's, there's always going to be that empty seat, and that's always there, there's still joy to be had because my joy is not attached to a child or a person or anything. It's attached to Jesus. Amen. So our source of joy can't be found in someone or something. It's got to be in Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 2. Remember, we're, we, we said this. My joy is, determ- is not determined by what, I, what is happening to me. It's, it's, it's determined by what God is doing in me and through me. Got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. James chapter 1, verse 2. Very common verse if you've been in church for any duration of time, but definitely not one that we like to talk about. It says, count it all Joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. Now, that's easy to say when life is good, right? It's real easy to say when there's no struggles in your life. Man, just count it all joy. Well, that's easy for you to say. But when you're hurting, it's, a whole, it's got a whole different meaning to it, to count it all joy. But he says this, that you're going to face various kinds of trials. You know what that means? You're going to face financial trials and emotional trials and relational trials and occupational trials. You know what he's saying? And I love that James put this in the very beginning of his book. It's like he starts off the back. Hey, guys, what's up? Love you. Hey, guess what? Count it all joy. You're going to face some stuff. (laughs) Like he's a great pastor. He just starts off his book by going, it's going to be rough. And you're going to get it from all different angles. 
But know this. Know that when you're falling into these various kinds of trials, that God is doing something inside of you. He's testing and forging and doing things within your heart. He's producing steadfastness. And when steadfastness has its full effect, you will be perfect and complete. Let's take a survey here. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Raise your hands. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you want a trial? Raise your hand. Just so you know, they're the same. They're the same. Everybody wants to love Jesus. Nobody wants a trial. But in order to love Jesus better, you got to go through the trial. Name me one person in the Bible that did not have to go through something horrific, hard, disciples. I mean, we want to just start naming people. You can't read the Bible and see that following Jesus was easy. You know anybody? Maybe Enoch, maybe, got captured and went up. I I don't know. I mean, every person in the scriptures that loved Jesus went through stuff. Whether it was in their own family, whether it was their own sin, or whether it was God allowed things to come into their life. But every time they went through that, they learned something about themselves and grew. It would be, it would be like saying this, I want to get buff, but I don't want to work out. And if you watch most info commercials now, most of them want to sell you something where you have to do little and get great results. But that doesn't work. You can't strap something on for five minutes and let it do its work. Like, you've got to push away from the plate and go run something. Okay? But we live in a society where we want to do as little as possible, but yet gain the most as possible. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. You've got to go through hard stuff in order for God to use you greatly. God loves using broken people, and sometimes he breaks them through stuff. It's like saying that I want to learn a lot, but I don't want to read any books. See, God is more interested, we say this all the time, God's more interested in your character than your comfort. He's more interested in your holiness than your happiness. Your marriage is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. We'll teach on that one in February. (laughs) That one's going to be a good one. This is what I like to call the journey of of joy, the journey of joy. Knowing that God's doing something in me. Okay, so, you know, here at OSC, one of the things that all of, we do really well is our husbands just really love our wives a lot, and so we have a lot of babies. Um, and they're, they're, like, scattered all throughout here, and it's awesome. But here's the thing about babies. They're incredible, and they're such a gift from the Lord. But the process of having a baby is not that pleasant, Nine months of just sheer bliss, right? It's just great. It's grand and so joyous and life just is great and just love puking on toilets often. And See, but here's the deal for, for all the mamas in here. You're willing to go through the unpleasant nine months. Why? Because you have a greater joy that's set before you. So you're willing to endure nine months 
for, for many of you, is really hard. For some of you, maybe not as much. But it's really difficult to give birth to a child. Not only the process, but the actual birthing process. And all, there's pain, there's pain, there's pain, there's pain. But there's a great joy on the other end of it. Because God's birthing something. The same way God does with us spiritually. He's doing things inside of us, and there's seasons where it's just great, great belaboring pains. But on the other side of it, there's a greater you. There's joy within that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, and we'll go to number 3 after this. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's what I want you all to get. If Jesus is my joy, if Jesus is my joy, and my joy is in Jesus, now watch this, and if Jesus lives in me, then I have joy. If Jesus is my joy, and I am connected to Christ, and I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, then that means joy lives in me. Don't got to go looking for it. Don't got to go searching for it. It's in me. I have his joy that's in me. And last but not least, let's go here. Let's make this declaration. We'll, we'll say it all out together. Number three <clears throat> is this. My joy increases when I make the choice to rejoice. My joy increases when I make the choice to rejoice. So let's go here and we'll wrap this thing up. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. You can write this down right beside it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. The shortest verse in all of the entire Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. You know what it says? Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Jesus' web is not the shortest because it's 16 letters in the Greek and rejoice always is 14 letters in the Greek, which makes it the shortest verse in the Bible. Anybody else? You want to? No. Just, just, just kidding. Humble. Sorry. Watch this. In the Bible, the word rejoice is used 287 times. The word rejoice is used 287 times. In the book of Philippians, the word joy is used 18 times. Do you think he's trying to say something? Repetition is key. Now, now here's what I want us to get here. Paul wrote this in jail. He was facing capital charges. So this is literally a letter from death row. A letter from death row. Now think about that. Many people believe that Philippians is the, the hall of joy. Just like, you know, you got Hebrews, which is the hall of faith. You got Hebrews 13, which is the hall of faith. You got 1 Corinthians 13, which is the, the hall of love. You got Philippians, which is really the hall of joy. If you want to find out about joy, just go read all of Philippians, and you will get joy 18 times in there. But I want us to, want us to file this away. Think about this. The most joyous book in the Bible came out of the darkest, most painful place prison. The most joyous book in the Bible came out of the darkest place. Paul had every right to complain. Shipwrecked, beat, stoned, God raised him back up, bit by snakes, thrown in jail. I mean, if there's anybody that could say, man, I've been kind of having a rough week, it would be Paul. He's in prison, he's about to be sentenced to death, and he starts penning these words, and one of the words that he pens is 
Philippians 4.4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What was it about Paul? He had this bulletproof soul. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord was his strength. So often in our lives, we have a victim mentality, which means this. Because this is happening to me, I am now validated to respond this way. Because this is happening, Lindsay and I talk about this all the time at home with our boys. All, I mean, this is like on repeat. Why did you bite him? Well, he hit me. Okay, so he hurt you, so you hurt him? Did it hurt when he hurt you? Yes. So you want to hurt someone? Yeah. Why? Because it's a victim mentality. I got hurt, so I'm hurting you. And, and we, we reprimand our children for it, but the truth is we actually do it ourselves. However people treat us, we feel now justified to be able to respond in that same spewing manner. Y'all with me? And so what ends up happening is we have this whole victim mentality, and when Jesus shows up on the scene, Jesus says, no, 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 we don't do that. Listen, you don't have a victim mentality because there's, there's joy within you, and so you don't have to respond by what's happening. Because remember, happiness is about what's happening, but joy is a deeper level of love for the Lord. It's deep down. When I, uh, I, I've, I've only, I'm not going to say I've done it a lot. I've, I, I want to start running I've ran twice. Okay, let's just okay, let's just put it out there. I've ran twice in in a in like eight months. Um, the first time I ran, so I'm like, you know, I'm like, we're gonna get back in shape. We're gonna make this happen. And even though I'm I'm slender, um, that doesn't mean I'm in shape. And so I want to get in shape. And so I told Lindsay I'm gonna start running. And so uh, get on our street. And our, and, I, and so I just t- start taking off running. And I and I start taking off running. And uh, I make this curve to to go to another street. And I see in the back, a lot of the houses where we are, they have like a lot of land. And the house is in the back. But I see it coming at me with much vigor and force, two dogs. And like, not like chihuahua dogs. Like, meow, 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 meow. like, like, if I don't run, this leg will be gone. And so, so I run like crazy. I mean, I put into... I. Usain Bolt just jumped into my body and I took off like a madman and I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. And where I ran though, it's a dead end. So they would have, I mean, it just been like free meat, you know? I mean, like I was there. And so I, 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 it was like on a U. And so I realized that if I cut through the, these neighbor's yards and go through the back, I could actually go into the back to my house. Like, but I'd have to go through neighbor's yard. So I'm like, well, you know what? Forgiveness is better than permission. So I, I went through. So I'm, I'm now running through people's yard in the back. And when I get to the, when I get to the, the other side and the, the dogs, I've, I've lost the dogs. When I get to the other side and I'm going to get back on another street, there's another dog barking and he's running at me. And I like, I, I went into high pitch squeal mode, like somebody. And, um, and so Every man would have been proud of me. <laughs> That's my pastor. And so I'm running. And as soon as I'm running, I realize the dog's like, he's running, 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 and he stops. I'm like, what in the world just happened? So I went, I went home and, and changed my pants. And then, so, so since then, I hadn't ran again. And you can know why now, okay? So I haven't ran. 
So a couple, a couple, a couple days ago, or no, a couple weeks ago, Lindsay and I are like, let's go for a walk. So we go for a walk, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I got a little trepidation in me about these dogs. And so we walk, and there's no dogs, and all is good. And we come back, and on the way back, there's another dog. And, and Lindsay and I run in the back of somebody else's yard yet again to run. This is no lie. I'm not, am I making this, I'm not making this stuff up. I wish I was. But there's this other dog that tried to run after us, and it stopped. And I come to realize now that I passed it that they have an invisible fence in their front yard. It's underground. So the dog, (laughs) so now that I know that, (laughs) running with a pork chop, (laughs) I'm about to do that, I didn't do that, I promise, but today after church, me and the boys, dog treats, okay, why do I bring all this up? There's a reason. The reason I bring all this up is because in our own lives, in our own lives, there are seen and unseen barriers in our life that literally have halted us from going any further in our relationship with the Lord, any further in our relationship with people because of unseen bondages that maybe not even seen, but they've stopped us from going to the next level because we have these in our lives. And so it's killed our joy, it's killed our peace, it's, kill, it's killed everything in our lives because we can't go to the next level because we have these unseen barriers. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus ripped the barriers off and there's no more of that and you can now run free. You're not, you don't have to have that fence anymore uh, because I, w- I want to really see us get healthy in, in relationships and healthy financially and healthy spiritually. That's what January is going to be for us, just to get healthy in all these areas and, and discover what all these unseen fences are that are stopping us. Identify them and say, it's got to go. It's got to go. Here's, I want you to write this down. What happens to you doesn't have to control you. And for many of you, that's what happens what happens to you has controlled you, and you're like the dog in the fence. You can't go anywhere because what happened when somebody did to you or something happened to you, it has controlled you, and it still even to this day controls you, and nobody else knows about it except you and maybe your spouse. All right. Habakkuk. Nobody preaches from that one. But Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. I want to say this before I read Habakkuk 3, and then uh, we can have the worship team come up. Look at me when I say this. Your peace and your joy is under your jurisdiction. No one and no thing can take it from you. Your peace and your joy is under your jurisdiction. If you have no joy in your life, you know whose fault that is? yours. No one, no one can take that from you. Here's the deal. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Pain's inevitable. So if you want to come up to me and tell me about whatever pain that happens in your life, I'm just going to tell you, I, everybody walks through pain, and we want, to, we want to hurt with those who hurt and grieve with those who grieve, and I understand all that, and there's processes for all that. 
But years and decades down the road, if you're still living over that, that misery is your option that you chose. And remember, your joy will only increase when your choice, when you make the choice to rejoice. It's when it increases in your life. Habakkuk chapter 3. I love this. Actually, I just found this this week looking up the words rejoice and joy. And I found this. I go, man, we've got to end with this one. Habakkuk 3 verse 17 says this. Even though. Everybody say that. Even though. Even though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. How I many you know that's a bad day? If you are in agriculture, this is a bad day. It's a bad season. You got no fig trees, you got no fruit, you got no olives, you got no flock, you got no herd. Like, this is bad. Now watch this. Verse 18. Yet, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now I want you to think about this. Even though I will. Even though, and I will. And here's the deal. Even though whatever follows that, Whatever's in the middle of that really doesn't matter if there's an I will. Even though I got the diagnosis I didn't want. Even though I lost my job. Even though my children are rebellious. Even though my husband's far from the Lord. Even though I'm not getting paid like I'd want to. Even though I haven't found the wife that I'm searching for. Whatever that is, it really doesn't matter if there is a I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the Lord. I pray we would be a people that say, even though I will. Even though I will. We can choose to be miserable and bitter, or we can choose to rejoice in faith. And sometimes that I will is a statement of faith, not seeing the current situation as being something that's great. Y'all with me? What, what that means is we're, we're making statements of faith over our health, over our family. Even though my children are far from the Lord, I will rejoice that one day they will know him. Amen. And I will be on my knees until that day comes. Even, y'all with me? So even though we get the choice to make, and, and I'll even say this, it's not a one-time thing, it's a daily thing to make the choice to rejoice. We've got to come to this place where we tap into something deeper. Our, as Christians, our joy is not dependent on what is happening around me. It's not dependent on what's happening to me because we can rejoice in the God that is in me. Yeah. And maybe you're still saying, well, I don't feel really joyful. Well, here's the deal. Joy is not based on feelings. It's based on facts. And the fact is, is that God is still God and he's still in control and he loves you. That's the fact, Jack. That's the fact. And so for some of you today, you've, you haven't experienced joy in a long time. And we are realizing today that joy is not based off of what's happening because that's happiness. But joy is something that's a delight deep down that only comes from Jesus abiding in him. Jesus is our joy. And some of you have not experienced joy for one of two reasons. One, you just don't know Jesus and you need to reconnect to Jesus Or two, you know Jesus, but you didn't realize that joy was actually already in you, and you just didn't unwrap it and let it go. You went to go try to find it in other places. And listen, that's most Christians. 
trying to find joy in other things, realizing that I've got the keys. I don't have to go search for them. They're not lost. I got them. They're here. And I can tap into that anytime I want. You know, the, the, the song Joy to the World is actually, I just found this out this week, the song Joy to the World is not about Jesus coming for birth. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. You know it's not about his first coming. Do you know that song is actually not a Christmas carol? It's an actual, a song of declaration over Jesus' second coming. Did you know that? Go look it up, Wikipedia that thing. Um, Joy to the world, Sir Isaac Watts. Sir Isaac Watts, Google it, okay, uh, whatever, or grandma it, whatever, your grandma might know. Um, so this is the deal. Listen, that joy to the world, we sang that even this morning. It's not a declaration that Jesus came as a baby. It's a declaration that Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Joy to the world. Amen. That's the good news that we have, is that this life is hard, but Jesus is coming back. Yes. He's coming back. That's the greatest joy that we have. And so we can, face, we can face anything because our joy is deep down. But you know what? For many of you, 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 need, you need to read this line of joy to the world, which says, um, let him prepare. What is it? I'm going to read it because I wrote it down. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. So that's what I want us to do this morning. Let every heart prepare him room. Would you bow your heads? Father, right now in this moment, God, even as we sang, God, here's my heart. Speak what is true. You've spoken today, and there are many in here that have heard you, and many that have even not only just heard you, but have felt you for the first time this morning. And God, our response is to let our hearts prepare a room for you. The reason we haven't experienced joy is because we haven't prepared our hearts for you. And I want to speak first to those that are in here that you have no relationship with Jesus. For you, maybe relationship with Jesus simply just meant coming to church. Maybe that's been the the background you've grown up in, church for you has just been really just something you just go and do just to kind of check off the list. But today, God has met you in a real way and you realize that he's personal and he wants to bring joy to your world, to your world. And if that's you in this place, the Bible just says that if we repent of our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want to offer that. I can't, I can't do this without, this is the most important part, offering that free gift to you. So if that's you in this place and you would like to have a relationship with Jesus, find real joy that's found in him all over this room. Would you just raise your hand all over this room? Come on. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I see you. Twelve. I see you. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down. And I want to speak real quick to those today that you, you know the Lord. Maybe you come to church every week. But joy has been lacking in your, in your life. Really, if you were to, if anybody was to spend really any time with you, they probably would say, yeah, they, they complain. 
critical, negative, just seem to always look at the bad things, always seem to, to respond to what's happening around. And that's been you, and you realize, man, my joy has not been anchored in Jesus. I have bought into the lie that joy is something that I can buy or something that I can work for or something that I can go and, and do. And I'm realizing today that God is drawing me in and that there's really joy within if I would just tap into him. And I want more of Jesus today. And I want that joy. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Wow, come on. Hands up all over the place. Wow, Jesus. Mm. If that's you, would you just, just, you can sit down, but just lift your hands to the Lord. Just in a sign of, God, I just, I just need you. I want you, God. We're making a room for you today. Father, we pray, Lord, right now for those, God. Lord, for those who at first raised their hand, God, because they're far from you. They, they, their relationship with you is, is not where it needs to be. But God, the joyous news that we declare today is that you came for people just like that. Lord, you came for us when we were at our worst. When we were most unlovable, you loved us. God, I pray right now that you would bring joy to the world. If you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you want him to come and live inside of you and give you a new heart, would you just say this after me? And we can all say this together. Say, Jesus, I need you. I repent of my selfish ways of putting myself at the center of my life. I recognize today that my misery is because of myself. But I know today that you died on the cross to take my sins, to cleanse me, to give me a new start, and that you rose from the grave and given me new life. So today, I declare that you are king, that you are Lord, that you are my Savior, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray, Lord, for the rest of those who raise their hand, who, who know Jesus but are from them far from you. God, I pray, Lord, refresh them, renew them, remind them, remind them where their joy is. Remind them that it's not found, but it's received. Remind them that their joy is not determined by what happens to them, but that you're doing great things in them and through them to make them more like Jesus. And most importantly, God, remind them that your joy in their life increases when they choose to rejoice. May we be a people that say, even though I will rejoice in the Lord, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a huge praise for all that he's done?